0: Another huge night for Democrats. What does it mean for Biden and Trump and 2024? I'm Matt Robeson. It's the balance of power roundtable, part of the Beyond Politics podcast, which is part of the Blue Amp on YouTube. We have to have less of a nesting doll approach to everything we're putting out into the media. I'm joined, as always, by former Democratic U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes and our conservative Anilator. Annihilator, You're an annihilator. I like no one that. That's that. If you, a, if you that's put a good together a, a GPS. And a crocodile, what you know, what you get you you a labor. navigator. You're a navigator. You're a oh, political consultant. Jokes.
1: Oh, dad joke.
0: Oh, dad mm. jokes. That That's what people come for. Come for the dad jokes. Stay for the political analysis. It was a big night for Democrats. Let's not make any bones about it. You've probably seen the news. If you're listening to this, Democrats ran the table last night. Andy Bashir, governor in Kentucky, the referenda in Ohio, including on abortion. Uh, Winning the much vaunted state house races in Virginia. It was really just a very strong night up and down for Democrats. And this is on the heels of a bunch of polling results that were looking really bleak for Joe Biden, including the New York Times Siena College poll showing him trailing in five of the six most critical swing states, which we covered on this show with Ian Smith, the pollster with Navigator Research. Let's see how it worked there. That I'm My brain works in circles. So clearly there is a little bit of a seeming disconnect here. So here's how Politico put it. There are two theories of the case as it relates to the results last night and what it means for 2024 and Joe Biden. Theory one, time to chill out. Polls are one thing, actual votes are another. These are not election results consistent with a president whose approval numbers are struggling to break 40% and who's falling badly behind Donald Trump, the most divisive politician of his generation. That's understating it, Politico. Mm. Bashir won, despite tons of GOP money being spent to tie him to Biden, $74 million in Kentucky. Wow. Mm. Um, Wow. So that's plenty of room for the incumbent to recover. All right. So that's time to chill out is theory number one. Theory number two. Time to freak out. I love this. I love the way they're putting it. The polls are absolutely right. The problem isn't the Democratic brand. It's Joe Biden. The anti-MAGA coalition that showed up in 2018, 2020, and 2022 is still intact. Sure. But it's not going to show up for just anybody. Trump is certain to bring out his own special universe. Special. Mm -hmm. That word's doing a lot of work in that Mm -hmm. sense. Of voters next year. And Americans are giving every possible signal that they won't be happy. The alternative is an 81-year-old Joe Biden. Alicia, let's turn to you, political annihilator. I'm so putting that on a business card now. Alicia Preston, do either of those theories of the case resonate with you?
1: I have been saying on this show and elsewhere for weeks that I'm not believing the polls. They don't make sense. They don't make sense when you're talking to a common man who isn't somebody who goes to a political rally. And I think this proves that's the case. I, I think you have to look deeply at who is answering these polls. And the people answering the polls are people who are in love with Trump, hate Trump, in love with Biden, hate Biden. Common voter is not taking these polls. I don't take these polls. They're annoying. They take too much time. And I don't want to tell anyone what I think, other than on here, obviously. But I, I think what happened is twofold. Number one, in states where abortion was on the ballot, which is on, in Ohio, it was directly on the ballot. And in Virginia, where while it wasn't on the ballot, Yunkin put it on the ballot, and I like Governor Yunkin, but I've always thought his strategy of vote for all these Republicans down ticket, he wasn't on the ballot, because he's halfway through his term, and vote on the issue of abortion, it was a stupid strategy. When Republicans campaign on abortion, we lose. Period, end of story. It does not match the majority of Americans unless they are in deep red states. So Yunkin put abortion on the ballot and they lost. Ohio had abortion on the ballot, and of course Republicans lose. And then you look at states like Kentucky and you have a Democrat who's very popular, even though it's a relatively blue state, pretty blue state, red state. And that wasn't the issue. The issue there was Trump is the head of our party and we look effing crazy and insane. And when that's what you're running on, we're going to lose. So Republicans don't run on Trump and don't run on abortion because we will lose in any state that isn't deep red.
0: That is good annihilation, Alicia. Paul, you're part of the democratocracy of, you are part of the effort to get people to write in President Joe Biden on the primary ballot because he's not appearing on the primary because they broke DNC rules. Yeah, You were a national co-chair for Barack Obama at the time, in 2008. You know the players here. You're in all these circles. and There are a lot of text threads out there right now. Do either of these theories of the case resonate with you?
2: I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think that the polling is, you know, just a snapshot in time, and we all we always say that, and that is true. Uh, I think uh, you've got a potential matchup between an eighty-year-old Joe Biden and a seventy-eight-year-old criminal thug, perhaps uh, convicted on some of the ninety-one counts that he faces. So the polling is odd to think that people would choose the criminal thug in this country. I think. The it's pretty clear that in the real world, Trump and abortion are toxic for Republicans, as our annulator, Alicia Preston, just told us. On the other hand, I think the results are probably better news for down-ballot Democrats than they are for Joe Biden. I think it says to people that the Democratic brand is not as toxic as people think. But I don't know that it's especially good news for the president. I'll one of the I'll point to a, a result close to home, which I think is pretty interesting and instructive. In Manchester, New Hampshire, the contest for mayor was up this year in which first-time politician Jay Ruiz ran against Kevin Kavanaugh, a union guy, a guy with a lot of political experience, a good guy, a nice guy. And in fact, the race, <clears throat> at least as I saw it, was characterized by old-fashioned politics. There was not the kind of crazy mudslinging going on. Uh, people were concerned about uh, real issues, crime, development, real, real issues. And Jay Ruiz was not a fire-breathing, Trump-toxic kind of Republican. He was a little more old-fashioned than our annihilator. Jay Ruiz squeaked out a 51-49 victory in Manchester. He's a Republican. It says that people are hungry for non-toxic, old-fashioned races where people don't, don't mud-wrestle, but talk about the issues and what they want to do. Ruiz was, has been complimented for focusing on issues and running a positive future oriented campaign about what he wants to do for man for Manchester, and after he won, he said nice things about Kevin Kavanaugh. So I point that out because I think it's instructive about where we are in politics, what people want, and this a a glimmer of let's call it common sense and a, a practical politics
0: that may be the real key to victory here. That's a very instructive story. For me, the thing that came out of this that kind of gets at this question about the theory of the case here is asking what's the difference between Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir and President Joe Biden? And I'd say there are two. One is age and the other is inflation. I think that's what this comes down to, the way that Andy Bashir could win by five points in a state that is plus 24 for Donald Trump. It's a ruby red state. And yet Andy Bashir managed to win against a gob of money run against him. The difference is age and inflation. What we see in the polling is that Joe Biden is very vulnerable on age for some reason, because Donald Trump is even more addled than Joe Biden, to be clear. And voters are blaming Joe Biden, the president, for high prices. And that is sticking to him. We even see that in the New York Times, Siena poll results, where Vice President Kamala Harris and a generic unnamed Democrat are running ahead of Joe Biden against Donald Trump. Why? Because people don't blame an unnamed generic Democrat or Vice President Kamala Harris for the fact that prices are high. And that's, to me, what it all boils down to. Now, what that says for the future is a whole other question. And i that's where I really want to go with this.
1: I just want to jump off what Paul was saying, because Manchester, New Hampshire is a swing district and something that you can look at in swing states and districts across the country. And Paul's 100 percent right. Look, former Senator Kavanaugh was an absolute gentleman during this campaign. He's a good man. I've worked with him when he was a state senator. Jay Ray's been a friend for as long as I can remember. Also a very good man you had two good men running against each other, and they talked policy. And one won out and the other didn't, and it was 51-49. It was close. I'm thrilled my friend Jay won for mayor. But at the end of the day, policy won. And if you present us policy and hope and optimism, and for the most part, both campaigns were very forward-thinking and very optimistic about the future and what they would do, that's why both campaigns were successful. I know one lost, but it was a narrow race. And this should example for every swing area whether it's a city a district or a state in the country of how to want to run a race and win what the people actually want
0: i am so glad you said that because it gives me a wonderful opportunity to come in with where i want to go with this and kind of disagree with you because i i think you're right it's a great example for the platonic ideal of what should be and i think that yesterday's results Suggest that is very much not where things are going in 2024. And the reason is, first of all, I want to try this out on you. Okay. I'm going to give you three aphorisms. And I think that they perfectly big describe. Words. He
1: keeps using these big words.
0: He's quiet annihilator. I, I want to give you three sayings. And mm-hmm. I, I think that they predict what's going to happen in 2024. One is generals are always fighting the last war, two is keep doing something. Until the defense proves they can stop you. And the third is the best defense is a good offense. I think that Democrats are going to look at last night's results and the difference with the polling that we're seeing nationally. And they're going to think of those three things. And they're going to say, what you said earlier, Alicia, what's the common thread here? We don't want to defend ourselves constantly on the economy because voters just aren't buying it. It's our biggest vulnerability. And they're going to say the abortion messaging works. It's what you just said, Alicia. Every time Republicans have to defend themselves on their position, their party's position on abortion, they lose. And we have now seen in 2018, 2020, and 2022 that the best defense is a good offense running against Donald Trump and keep doing something in 2022 that the, the and until the defense proves they can stop you, i.e., Running on the abortion message is the way to go. And generals are always fighting the last war. Democratic campaign managers, and I have been one, are going to look at these results, and they're going to say the way to win in 2024 is let's run the abortion message relentlessly. Let's not spend our time defending Joe Biden's economic record as much as from the numbers standpoint, we think it's awesome, and I think history will bear that out. We don't want to fight that fight because it's a losing fight for us. And we are fresh off of having navigator polling in the battleground districts. They poll in 91 battleground districts across America. And what they find is massive advantages for Democrats on abortion. Republicans are viewed as too extreme on abortion by a 36 point margin. That is a landslide. So I'm going to bring this around the horn to say to you, Alicia Preston, that As much as we may admire the gentlemanly campaign that we saw in Manchester, New Hampshire last night, I think it is very much not where 2024 is going. And on both a congressional presidential level, it is going to be a major attack fest around Donald from Democrats. You're going to see Donald Trump is a flaming Nazi criminal and Republicans are extreme on abortion. And from Republicans, what you're going to see is Joe Biden is way too old and don't you hate the price of eggs do you disagree
1: i don't disagree that's where it's going i'm saying that's where it shouldn't go i'm saying deliver me some optimism deliver me some solutions and you guys like to mock me with my eggs thing but groceries are out of control and the problem with most families you can say history in some economics book at Harvard University is going to discuss what a great economy we had 30 years from now. You can say that all you want. I'm going to the grocery store for a week and I can't even budget. Why? The price of hamburger me one week is $3.49 a pound. The next week it's $5.50. People well, can't even budget. We That's are in stark agreement. We are in, in total families. agreement. Yeah, and no, I couldn't I mean, be
2: agreeing with you more. Except the price so, of gas is coming down. All of a sudden, I saw gas at $3.18 a gallon. So Oh, come so near price- me. It
1: was $3.09 the other day.
2: Yeah, so the price of gas is coming down, except on the West Coast, where it is absolutely insane to have a fuel, a a petrol fuel vehicle
0: because
1: that's
2: gas all right. They're part of greater fifty and they don't money. matter in terms. Yeah, of that's, of- that's but their taxation. Um, they so can the, do price, that. the yeah. price of ga- the price of gas is coming down. The Federal Reserve is probably not going to keep on raising interest rates. But you are right, Alicia. The price of ordinary goods for ordinary Americans is high. Much higher than people like. And every time somebody goes to the grocery store, it just goes. Oh, and look, Paul, let's get into this for a second
0: because you've been in this position. I've been in these rooms with you as a starry eyed candidate before you became like a crusty, experienced veteran. Yeah. And campaign consultants and campaign managers go through this experience all the time. You have someone who is relatively fresh to politics, and they come in saying, Ooh, they th- candidates tend to think about campaigns in terms of the debate state. That's a mindset they bring to it. And they think, oh, if my opponent says X, I will explain why. And if they say Z, I will roll out my platform on G. And at some point, the campaign manager or consultant pinches the bridge of her nose and says, listen, Paul, you're a great guy. And I love you. And you've got a million great ideas that if you win this race, I am looking forward to you enacting in your elected position. But if you want to win this campaign, we are going to look at this poll right here that says that the winning message in seven words or less is your opponent is a Nazi flaming gas bag who is going to take away your right to choose. And all I want you to say, 100% of the time, and all our TV ads are going to. say, if you say anything else, you're losing. And look, you, you can do, It's your campaign. Do what you want. You can talk about your policy on giving incentives for word burning stoves till the cows come home. And you will put three million dollars on the line and your good name on the line, and you will lose. That's one way. That's up to you. And every single campaign that I've seen that has gone anywhere has said. Okay, fine. Let's do it your way.
2: I mean, are you, am I, am I making this up? No, I mean, look, think, if I think back to my first campaign, not, well, the first winning campaign, my second campaign, my, the campaign I won in 2006, the glimmer that we saw back then, remember, we were in the war, we're in the war in Iraq. The glimmer was my going to the Fitzwilliam Rod and Gun Club and sitting down with some folks from New Hampshire and hearing from them uh, over uh, the, the chicken barrel, the guy was frying chicken in a barrel, that he wasn't happy about the war in Iraq. That's what I heard. Our polling backed it up that people weren't happy with the war in Iraq. And our entire campaign was all you have to do. We were running against a very popular moderate Republican named Charlie Bass, who had held the seat for a long time, his family had held the seat for a long time. And they said, all we are going to do is talk about the Bush-Bass war in Iraq. That's your mantra. It is the Bush-Bass war in Iraq. We're going in the wrong direction. We got to stop. We got to change. And that's all you say. Don't say anything else about anything. Just it's the Bush-Bass war in Iraq. And sure enough,
0: we won. And Charlie Bass, by the way, is everything that Alicia just described. He's a good guy. He's a friend of ours. His former chief of staff, who I succeeded as your chief of staff, is a friend of mine. We're literally texting on my phone right now, like during the show, because I'm focused on what you guys are saying. But these are good people who we generally like. Charlie Bass was the head of the moderate group in Congress. He was the head of it. I enjoy my conversations with Charlie Bass. I thought Bush Bass was a new species of fish when you were done with your campaign.
1: Uh, Other than the slogans, I don't think that's different than what I'm saying. Iraq was a serious, legitimate issue to discuss. And so you were responding and taking a message that people were actually talking about at that time. That goes right in line with talking about the issues. And I, I think that proves the point that you talk about the issues, you do it gentlemanly. And I remember that race. And people will go with what they actually believe on policy narrative. The policy narrative for most Americans right now is the economy. That is what needs to be discussed. In Manchester, Winn, New Hampshire, I talk about it as a microcosm, Paul mentioned it. It's the economy because it dealt with homelessness and it deals with crime, which is coming from low-income You know, too many people that don't have money and they don't have homes and they can't get jobs. So it's all the economy right now. So I don't think what you guys are saying is any different than from what I said, other than coming up with a catchy slogan for it.
2: So I have a question for you. If you're the annihilator and you're the expert and I come to you and say, I am going to run, I'm going to run for Congress and people don't know me that well. But what I want to say is inflation is killing us inflation is too high, elect me. I'm going to go to Washington and clean up the mess. I'm going to do something about the price of your eggs.
1: I would say don't use the word inflation. That goes right over people's I, heads. I, I they understand. don't know what they I, is, but it's not I, I an know. emotional word. Yeah, And I'm, that's I'm, what I would say. I'd say talk about I'd stand at a gas pump. They're coming down right now, back when they were up fire. I'd stand in a grocery store. You've I'd done talk this, about I, I do that. I, I would talk about heating expenses going into winter. I would talk about the stuff people are talking about yeah, at the yeah, kitchen yeah. tables. That's yeah. absolutely what I would do. And it, the other thing I would a do is dem- even as
0: a, Even as a Democrat? No. As a Democrat, no. can you'd I jump ignore, in? You'd ignore a, a, it. <laughs> yes. As a Democrat, look, it's like Sun Tzu said, he, in this case, who has chosen the enemy but has not chosen the field of battle has only won half the victory. Choosing the field of battle, what what you're fighting about is everything and I would tell you Paul, don't fucking fight. Oh shit, I just cursed on the pot. It's like
1: Republicans on abortion. Just don't talk about
0: it. Don't talk about it. Every minute you spend on that subject is a lost minute. The most interesting thing that the pollster, Ian Smith, who I had on the show on Monday said was that he did a a fascinating study of how voters spend their time. And what he found was that the average voter spends 10 minutes a week thinking about or consuming media about politics. Now, think about that. 10 minutes a week, there are 10,080 minutes in a week. That is 0.1% of their time. If you're going to spend any of those 10 minutes talking about an issue that is a losing issue for you, then you're what? You're losing. It's such a waste. So So you ask me a question about inflation and I say, look, the real
2: issue is how do we preserve our democracy and preserve our individual freedom? That's what we're that's really what this. I
0: would go even further than that, my friend. You are so close. But what I would say is, Paul, sound off like you got a pair, man. Donald
2: Trump, Donald Trump is a Nazi thug. He he and the Republicans are trying to take away your freedom on the abortion issue, period.
1: That's that's what I would say. If I were a Democrat, that's what I would say. And see, what's different about this, and it's been different two years ago and two years before that, is all previous strategies tend to have to go out the window a little bit when you're dealing with the fact that Donald Trump will probably be the Republican nominee, and there'll be a lot of candidates for Congress and U.S. Senate on the ticket that are endorsed by him and his sycophants. And that kind of is a game changer because then you can just own everything. And I don't like to give you guys advice, but I got to be honest. Can I tell you all a little secret? I want Republicans to get wait, their don't asses let the audience handed here. to them.
0: Wait, wait, you want the Republicans to get?
1: I, am- I do because I need an end of the Donald Trump era, not because I like Democratic policies. I'm a fiscal conservative. I am all about individual freedoms, the old school conservative. And Republican. you're a Democrat. And no, I no, want no, 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 I hear no I'm a Republican. Is from. Yeah. We need to get our asses handed to us in 2024 to wake up and go back to being Republicans.
0: What you want is a, clear, a cleansing fire to yes. get rid of the dead wood that is choking the undergrowth of new shoots of life. Wow, yes. so poetic. Oh, That was poetic. so that poetic. poetic. That was
1: poetic. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. i got to come up
0: with a, a portmanteau that combines a, a poet and... With you know, a
2: portmanteau yeah. of aphorisms. <laughs> but,
0: but look, just yeah. for our listeners, I think what you've just seen or listened to here is this is how you get from Paul and Alicia are two thoughtful people who care about issues and they come from different flavors of american thought and Alicia is a good person who's conservative and that's her bent and Paul is a good person who's liberal that's his bent and if they were running a campaign about against each other they could have some fascinating conversations about the best thing to do for the economy What is the proper role of government in addressing inflation? What is the proper role of government? You would agree about the proper role of government in investing in infrastructure. And then you could do that. But instead, what would happen is that you would run a fight where Paul would say, Alicia Preston would enable extreme Nazi autocrats who want to take away your right to choose. And Alicia would say, Paul Hodes is another vote for Joe Biden's agenda that is crushing you at the grocery store that's how we end up with the campaigns we end up with have i depressed you yet no but
2: and combine all that with nothing but fundraising is the only job of a candidate and you've got a system that is designed to preserve the kind of dysfunction that we've seen
1: dialing for dollars how many times matt hell, a candidate nope you're dialing for dollars tomorrow. I if I had
0: we actually had a joke in Paul's office. Paul had this little gag keychain that was popular about ten or fifteen years ago, where he'd press a button and it would be this little nasally voice that would just say "Go it with our scheduler's voice, just saying "Paul, go to call time. You have to go raise money now." And so he anyway, yeah. That that is that's essentially why we end up in the position that we do. But just to bring this full circle because that's my job here. I do think that kind of explains not only the divide, but where we're going. I think that it's perfectly possible for Democrats to run an offensive campaign that doesn't really have to do with the major issues plaguing us as a country or as a state or as whatever level you're running on. It has all to do with what is the number one winning message that you can cram into people's brains given the budget and the brain space that they have. And and Republicans are doing the same thing. And the reason that we're not seeing that translate into polling results for Joe Biden is that voters are very skeptical about his age and voters are blaming him for the fact that prices are high. And that's it. That's what it all boils down to. So should Democrats choose a really crappy twenty twenty four campaign?
2: Should Democrats choose a different candidate? Do you are you in that school?
0: David Axelrod is. David Axelrod is. I am not. I think we have to deal with the world as it is. It's a wonderful. It's a wonderful thought experiment. If we owned a time machine, if we could have done so, I don't know, six months ago, then maybe I'm not like altogether convinced that would be terrible and and we could end up with Gretchen Whitmer or Jared Polis or. Even a Kamala Harris, Oh I know you're, she's not your cup of tea, but the she polling, might be the only
1: Democrat that can lose to Donald Trump, and I mean that sincerely. She might maybe, be the only Democrat that can lose to Donald Trump.
0: Maybe, but like we have to deal with the world as it is. And no, I, I I think that horse has is miles down the road past the barn door. And I think we what we have to do, and what the White House is surely doing right now, is saying, look, let's wait to see what happens with the convictions of Donald Trump. But until then, this upcoming election is going to be all about insurrection. It's going to be that if he's convicted as well. It's going to be all about insurrection and abortion. That's what it's going to be from the White House level. And I think congressional campaigns are going to be the same thing. I think we're going to hear a lot about those issues. I don't know. Paul, you're a you're part of the democratocracy. Are you wavering on Joe Biden? You're leading the not at all coordinated by the DNC effort to write him in.
2: In the not at all coordinated by the DNC effort to write a man. I am leading the charge because I thank my lucky stars every day that Joe Biden is our president. I can't imagine anybody else doing the job that he is doing. And I think we need him to continue doing that job to save our democracy and to uh, help the world fight really dangerous forces
0: of evil. Hey, Alicia, uh, speaking of fighting dangerous forces of evil... Should anyone, for any reason, under any circumstances, watch the Republican debate tonight? Does it matter at all? Is it like Nikki Haley doing a great job of maybe coming in second place and that's it?
1: I think people should watch because I think, look, the field is winnowing, even if not officially, the field is winnowing on the debate stage. There's only five, I believe, on tonight, and I think if before... The cycle, the voting cycle of the primaries start, if we're down to one or two Republicans other than Donald Trump, you might begin to see an alternative. Let's not forget, in several of the early states, undeclared independents can vote in these primaries. They're not being polled, which boggles my mind. A state like New Hampshire, the first in the nation primary, has over 40 percent who are not part of the Republican or Democratic Party, and they vote in big races like this. So if some of the candidates drop out and people can acquiesce, whether it's a Ron DeSantis, I think Nikki Haley would be a better choice. And I have not decided who I'm voting for yet. I'm an undecided voter in the primary. I think you could see some possibility. Look, Donald Trump is probably going to be the nominee, but I think it is possible. There is a small little chance that if the right candidate, people can acquiesce around. She can come out of New Hampshire or he, number two. And the governor of Iowa just endorsed Ron DeSantis there. But we got to coalesce around someone other than Donald Trump, and I do think there's a small possibility. There will be fatigue with all the trials and stuff happening currently and, again, starting in March. There will be a Donald Trump fatigue against those who are not his diehards. You know,
2: DeSantis is in real trouble, and I'll tell you why. Because the first question in the debate to Ron DeSantis is going to be, who makes your boots? Who lifts your heels? And who
0: hides the secret to your height? I think that I think it's in trouble is very clear.
1: I think it's so nonsensical that people from opposing campaigns are talking about Ron DeSantis' height. I think that is absurd, I think it's silly, and I think it's an embarrassment to the process.
0: I I think he is so embarrassing on so many levels and issues that his height is the least of his problems. I just wanna wait, I wanna circle back, Alicia. So you're taking the Lloyd Christmas theory You're saying there is a chance. Little one. You're saying it's worth paying attention to because maybe, just maybe, if Donald Trump steps on a rake, like literally, and is concussed or falls down a flight of steps, that kind of thing never happens to anybody. (laughs) What you're saying is that Republicans might need to go to their auxiliary backup plan. And Nikki Haley is going to be sitting there saying, why not me, people?
1: Maybe it's Nikki Haley. Maybe it's not. When I say I'm an undecided primary voter, I literally am an undecided primary voter. If you had um, to vote today, who would you be voting for? I would vote for whomever is second highest in the polls, whomever that is.
0: Because your priority is to be. You want the cleansing I fire. You got I want it. the fire. That's extraordinarily rational. You're far more rational than the average voter. Let's get out of here on this. Rashida Taleb was censured by Congress for her statements. Paul, you are a former Democratic member of Congress, you have had to deal with these kinds of questions about the statements of your colleagues. There are issues of free speech and the ability to debate and to hold unpopular opinions. On the other hand, Rashida Taleb, if you were in Congress still today, would you have voted to censure her?
2: Look, Rashida Taleb is a Democrat. She was caught up in the tit-for-tat censure resolutions i profoundly disagree with her essentially a hamas apologist views and her anti-semitism i find it odious and reprehensible on the other hand she's entitled to her opinions however awful they are and i would not have voted for censure i alicia
1: feel free to weigh in look 22 I'm... democrats by the way voted with republicans to censure her and I am an absolutionist when it when it comes to free speech. I believe oh, speech. you're
0: You're coming up with better words than I am. My,
1: yeah. We make up we're, we're basically George W. Bush. We are the George W. Bush podcast. <laughs>
0: absolutionist. You're an
2: absolutionist. Annalator. 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 The annalator abs- The absolutionist. Um,
1: and as part of that, I have the free speech to make up words like George W. Bush. Anyway. I feel
0: like I'm going into confession and you're my priest. Now, I'm an absolutionist <laughs> and I grant you. Absolution. So you're um, an absolutist.
1: I'm an absolutist on free speech, and I believe free speech is there not to protect popular speech, but to protect hate speech I, or that would, what might be considered hate speech. I believe that is the purpose of that of the amendment to our Constitution. That being said, this is a United States member of Congress who used the term from the river to the sea. That's in Hamas's charter. It means the complete destruction and elimination of Israel and the Israeli people unto itself. When you are a member of Congress and you have to do things like vote for aid to Israel, Support and work for a country that is an ally to Israel, and you call for the destruction of the nation of our ally, that crosses lines. And I'm glad the United States Congress censured her. And bravo to the 22 Democrats who crossed the line because our nation's more important than a, than a letter next to your name.
0: I believe in free speech. I believe in protecting unpopular and even hateful speech within constitutional <laughs> limits, of course, understood that nothing is absolutely absolute. Rashida Taleb has made it very hard to defend her. I'm a member of the Democratic Party. I'm an American first. And her statements, the adoption of the phrase from the river to the sea, that is an explicit call for genocide. That is the that is an explicit call for genocide. Don't give me your transparent bullshit. That is some kind of a bland expression for, oh, it's like saying white power. That's the equivalent here. It's Oh, I'm just proud to be of a certain race. Don't give me that. Don't give me that because we all see through it. You are right, Alicia. It's part of the Hamas charter to kill every last Jew in Israel and not just in Israel, by the way, they call for the complete genocide, extermination of Jews everywhere. And for her to make common cause with them in that quest, here's something for free speech. The House has every right to censure her. They're not telling her that she cannot speak. She can speak. And the House can express its opinion as one of the branches of our government that what she said is odious and that they are against it. And so am I. And on that really depressing note for our absolutionist annihilator Alicia (laughs) Preston it's too many A's and our former Democratic U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes I'm Matt Robeson we'll see you next time